University Baptist Church is a faith community striving to think critically, live creatively, and love continually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We gather on Sunday mornings at 5775 Highland Road between Lee Drive and Kenilworth Parkland. Visit ubc-br.org or at ubcbr on Facebook for more information. It's been a few months since I last preached, and I've never worn one of these mics before, so if I hit it wrong or do something weird, then please, please excuse me. Um, we are going to continue this morning in our Little Big Things series that Andy's been doing over the last few weeks, uh, and today uh, Andy asked me to speak about dynamic faith sharing. I have to admit I struggled with this topic all these last couple of weeks while I've been getting ready for it, and I could not understand why it was so difficult for me to get my brain around it. And then uh, I came upon uh, an analogy that I think helps me understand it. How many of you have seen the newest uh, Disney animated movie, Encanto? Have you seen it? Yeah, if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. It's an excellent movie, one of the best movies that they've made, I think. And in the middle of this movie is a story um, <clears throat> told in song, it's a musical, about Bruno. <laughs> we don't talk about Bruno, goes the song. Um, and just to kind of, I don't want to spoil the movie for you, but the story of Encanto is this Latin American family uh, who protect their village with magical powers that they are granted. Um, and not all of them get magical powers, but the ones that do use them in different ways. And one of them, who is Uncle Bruno, happened to get a very disturbing power of being able to prophesy and say things that are going to come in the future. Well, again, try not to spoil it for you, but the family ends up placing all of the blame for all the bad things that happened to them on Bruno. And it comes out in this song. It's so bad, in fact, they feel like he's kind of cursed the family, so they don't even speak his name. They don't even talk about him. And the song is a wonderful, um, beautiful musical idea of how secrets bind us and keep us and the things that we talk about, the things that we choose not to talk about. You can learn a lot from a person and from a community, from a community of faith, from a family, about the things that we choose not to talk about, about the topics that we avoid. And uh, all of us kind of have a crazy Uncle Bruno or something like that, that that comes up in our family that keeps us uh, bound up in secret sometimes. And I think us, uh, that we as moderate Baptists sometimes, and many mainline Christian groups also, uh, have a Bruno that we don't talk about, and it is evangelism. What comes to mind when you hear the word evangelism? Witnessing. Anyone? You got something that comes to mind? All right, you'll have a chance to share later if you want. It is a loaded word. Uh, for some people, it has negative connotations. For me, it has positive and negative connotations. It reminds me of a few weeks ago when we were in New Orleans. Uh, there, not quite on Bourbon Street, but close to it, was a man who was standing on a box with a sign that the world is about to burn, and he was preaching from his box. This is one of those things, those connotations that it calls to mind for me. Uh, I remember being a child and sitting in revival services. <clears throat> and one in particular, when I was about 10 years old, we were at Ridgecrest Baptist Conference Center in North Carolina. And I tried to stay awake. I kid you not, as at the end of the service, we sang through all seven stanzas of Just As I Am very slowly three times through. And even as a 10-year-old, I recognized that this was a Baptist family gathering that we were at. And I was thinking, why are we waiting on people to come up? These people are already saved. 
I have some fond memories of evangelism, going out especially with um, our Roma brothers and sisters in Slovakia out into villages and enjoying time with them as they told their stories and their testimonies and as they witnessed through song and through word. I have memories, uh, again, as a child and teenager of watching crusades on television. Crusades, it's an awful word for us to associate with uh, what we think of as evangelism, but um, stadiums full of people and, and thousands of people coming forward. I remember taking a class when I was a child in the church that I grew up in, uh, when I was a teenager, on how to share your testimony and how to do it in five minutes or less. I had to take this class. Um, All of us in youth group did. And I was wondering why people would want to hear my boring testimony, my boring story, when there were people in the world who had much more exciting stories to tell. I think we're uncomfortable talking about witnessing and evangelism because of these connotations and because there are certain beliefs that we have attached to it. The Madrigal family in Encanto thought that Uncle Bruno was cursed. They thought that his magical prophecies would destroy the family. So rather than deal with it, they didn't talk about it at all. And we have certain beliefs too, I think, about witnessing and evangelism that keep us from talking about it. We might feel like it's rude to intrude on someone else's life to barge in and tell them about Jesus. We might feel like it's some kind of performance, like uh, the, the fear that so many people have of, of speaking in public, which apparently is the most common fear in the world of uh, public speaking. I didn't know this, um, but it's true. It's, that's what science says anyway. Or we're afraid that we might have to stand on the street corner on top of the box with that guy with the microphone. We might feel that it requires us to witness to somebody, requires us to get certain information across to them. And if we don't get certain, certain things in the right order and make sure it's all done correctly, that we might mess something up. Uh, that we might mess them up, who knows. Uh, We might feel that it's only meant for unbelievers, and we honestly might not know that many. We live in a place that has lots of churches and lots of people who have already heard Jesus' name, although not all of them have. You might have been told, like I was as a teenager, that you had to have a class or you had to do it the right way. You might not feel like it's your spiritual gift. You might feel like you're not in touch enough with the good news that we're supposed to be sharing. And finally, we might feel like this... Uh, act of witnessing or evangelism is supposed to have a certain outcome that someone must become a believer. Tanya and I, as you know, were missionaries in Slovakia for nine years, and we did very little of that kind of evangelism, of standing on the street corners, of doing speaking and stuff like that. And at first it kind of made us uncomfortable. There just weren't that many opportunities to do it. But then over the years, we began to realize that we were sharing our faith with people every day. Almost every encounter that we had, we had the opportunity in some small way to share our faith with people. And that's what I want us to talk about this morning. Not this loaded concept of witnessing and evangelism. I'm not saying that it's bad. There's a lot of people who do it and a lot of people who are called to do it. But I think each and every one of us can share our faith and share about God in our daily lives and our daily conversations. The scripture that we'll look at this morning is from Acts chapter 1. It is verses 6 through 11. Now, this is the story of the disciples. Um, after Jesus has died and been resurrected, um, they spend, depending on the account that you read, 40 days or so with Jesus, and then he takes them up on a mountainside, um, and they begin to ask him questions. Then they gather around him and ask him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? 
If you've ever read the gospel stories and looked closely at the disciples, it was this constant, uh, I can just imagine Jesus kind of scratching his head like, what are these people thinking? Because they just don't get it. Um, They don't get that Jesus' kingdom, that what Jesus is doing is about more than political things. It's about more than their small idea of just having a Messiah that's going to save the kingdom of Israel, but that a Messiah who's going to encompass the whole world. And here they are asking again, is this the time? Is this when you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus shakes his head and goes on. He says to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then we go on to read that after this, he is lifted up into the clouds, uh, and there are two angels who are standing there beside him. As they're looking into the sky as he was going, suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, and they saw them looking up into the sky, and they said, why are you still looking up? Because this same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go. Jesus says, just going to rewind to that phrase that we know so well. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Now, the word that's used here for you is, is <clears throat> excuse me, is kind of an, uh, analogous to our word y'all. It means everybody. You all are going to be my witnesses. And this is the way it is in the Greek. It's the plural second person address. You all will be my witnesses. Jesus doesn't say you should be my witnesses. Jesus didn't say sometimes some of you might be called to be my witnesses. Jesus said you will be my witnesses and you will carry this into the world. And he talked about Jerusalem, which was the place that they lived in Judea and Samaria. And we can spend lots of time unpacking those different phrases and how they work out. But the idea that Jesus was getting across to them was that you will be my witnesses. Witness in the Greek has the same kind of connotations that we have with it in English in terms of a legal sense. A witness can be somebody who just observes something. Maybe you were uh, parked and you saw somebody run a red light and somebody else saw that it was green and it was their turn to go and they got in an accident. You witnessed this accident. I hope that you haven't seen that kind of situation, but a lot of us have because, let's face it, it happens often here in Baton Rouge. Um, So to witness can mean simply to observe something, to see that something has happened. But it can also be a more active sense in that we witness something and we bear witness to something, that we tell somebody else about what we have seen and heard. Now, in the legal sense, if you're in a courtroom, you are a witness and you are allowed to tell about what you saw and what you heard. You're not allowed to say, well, somebody else told me Or, I heard that this was happening. You know, I heard that the guy was drunk, so that must have been why he ran the red light. We're not allowed to say that. All you're allowed to say when you go into court is what you yourself have seen and heard with your own eyes and with your own ears. And this is the same sense that it has in the Greek. To be a witness means to see something, to observe it. The other passage that Andy had for us to look at this morning is a story of how the early church began to spread the faith. And we have the stories of the people who stood in the temple courts and preached during the day. They talked about Jesus all day long. But then there are other stories like the one we read of in Acts 8. And I'm just going to summarize it for you because we don't have time to delve far into it. But it's the story of Philip, one of Jesus' close apostles, who was called by the Spirit out onto the road between Jerusalem and Gaza. Um, The Spirit said, go there. He went there. And as he was going, the road, the road, road, 
the, what's that word, road, was deserted um, except for a chariot. And he comes near up to the chariot and he hears someone reading aloud. And it is an Ethiopian eunuch, a man from Ethiopia who serves in the queen's court. And he is coming back from Jerusalem. He's on his way south to go back home. And he's reading aloud from the book of Isaiah. And Philip hears him and comes up close and he says, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch's like, how can I understand it unless somebody explains it to me? So Philip is walking alongside this chariot, uh, and then he gets into the chariot and begins to share with the man, and the man eventually is baptized and carries the faith into Ethiopia, where, by the way, it is still strong and going today in many different forms. So this is the story of the gospel spreading outside of Jerusalem and Judea. It's spreading farther south all the way to Ethiopia. It's spreading beyond just the Jewish people and spreading to the Gentiles. And Philip does this simply by following the Spirit's leadership, by walking alongside this man as he's reading and saying, let me help you understand this. And then the man is baptized. Again, there's lots of stuff we could get into in this story about the eunuch who was an outcast among, in terms of Judaism. Um, somebody who was castrated like this was outcast automatically from God's presence. Somebody who was not a Jew was not allowed to go into the inner parts of the temple court. So this man already was, was kind of an outcast from Judaism. And Philip, and Philip says, no, you're welcome here. You're welcome in this family. And that is good news. I want us to think in a new term about witnessing and evangelism, and it's the term that is in the title of this sermon. It is faith sharing. It has become more popular in the last few years, and I like it because it doesn't carry all the baggage that we have when we talk about witnessing and evangelism. Again, those things are not bad, but they come with strings attached sometimes. Plus, it takes this unilateral feeling out of it. Because let's face it, when we think about evangelism, it's usually this, I'm standing here, I'm talking to you, I'm telling you this information, this is what you need. It doesn't require any response from you. It doesn't require anything from you. I'm just throwing it out there and you can take it or leave it, whatever you want to do. But faith sharing is not unilateral. It is bilateral or multilateral. We can share faith with somebody and we can receive when they share faith with us as well. And who doesn't need a little bit more faith sometimes? So I want us to think in terms of faith sharing as to see and to share what we've seen God doing in our lives and the world. I want to read that for you again. To share our faith is to see and to share what we've seen God doing in our lives in the world. Just like the people, the early believers who witnessed uh, what Jesus had done and shared that with other people, we are also called to observe what God is doing in the world around us and to share that with other people in different ways. And we cannot tell about what we have not seen for ourselves. So the fundamental thing, the first thing there is seeing. And we all are witnesses to what God is doing in the world. And that's what we share with other people. God is moving. God is working. God is doing things even in this room where we sit. When you were awake this morning, God was already there. When you came to church this morning, God was in the car beside you and with you. God is always around us. And this is the good news that people need to hear today. God is still working. God is still moving. It didn't stop when the Bible stopped. It didn't stop uh, at the end of acts when all those miraculous things stopped happening god is still doing things today and this is what we need to remind ourselves and other people of because let's be honest sometimes today with the way things go in our world it doesn't seem like god is always here i'm not trying to make excuses here but those early believers those early disciples they had it easy 
Every day with Jesus was something new. This person was healed of a deadly illness. This child was raised from the dead. Jesus fed 5,000 people at once. He walked on the water. The storm died down and the disciples were safe in the boat. It was easy for those people to say, yeah, I saw God working around me every day. I saw Jesus do incredible things. But for the rest of us, 2,000 years later, it's not so easy. Maybe that's why Jesus said to Thomas um, that you have seen and you believe, but blessed are those who have not seen and still believe. Because that's where we are. I haven't seen Jesus walk on water. I haven't seen Jesus do those miraculous things. I've seen some things that I cannot explain and that I attribute to God's work in the world. But I haven't seen those amazing things that those disciples have seen. But I have seen God working in my heart and in the hearts of other people. And so often we fall asleep to this and take it for granted. And the truth is that every moment of every day, God is working around us, but we don't always pay attention to it. This is where our Roma brothers and sisters in Slovakia had so much to teach us. I learned so much from my years there in Slovakia, especially from this church that we worshipped with. It was called the House of God in the Romani language, Devleskeroker. And um, they have a lot more upbeat expression of faith. They sing worship songs. We'll sing for an hour at least every morning before they get into actually doing the other parts of worship. They love to sing together. They love to share together. But they also noticed everywhere around them, they noticed what God was doing. I would get my paycheck and think, that's what I earned. They would get their paycheck and they would thank God for providing for them. See the difference? They noticed and paid attention to what God is doing. I would walk outside and think, wow, it is such a nice day. And they would walk out the door and stop and say a prayer of thanks to God for the sunshine and the warmth. I might hear something helpful and write it down in my journal and save it for later. But they would always, not always, but very often when I would sit and talk with them, they would finish the conversation and say, thank you, John. God really spoke through you to me today. I had no clue that it was happening, but it was happening all the same. I would drive into the village and listen to a podcast. They would drive into the village and say, I was spending time with God on the way here. I learned a lot of things from the Roma people, but this one was most important, I think, that God is always doing things around us. So the question is never, is God working? The question is, am I paying attention? This has been an interesting week um, with Tanya out of town. Um, I've been playing taxi service and getting the girls to and from places and also trying to make sure that I had all the things done, all my ducks in a row. Um, you all know that I'm working with Habitat, <clears throat> excuse me, doing construction. So I was driving my car to the site each day where usually I go to the warehouse and we take the trucks out. Well, this week I left my car unlocked for just a few moments. And wouldn't you know it, by the time I got there, back to it, I was getting a call from my bank. Did you make these charges on this credit card? No, in fact, I had not. My wallet had walked out of my car somehow and into somebody else's hands. Now, I tell you this because it made me instantly remember the story of some of my brothers and sisters, some of the Roma um, believers who had gotten, raised a lot of money and they were going to go down to uh, Budapest, which is about a three-hour drive, to get some things to help get a business started that they were trying to work on. And they were down at, in Budapest at one of the busiest times of year during the Christmas market. They were wandering around the market. And when they got finally finished there, they had enjoyed themselves and they were going to go to this place to pick up these other things. And they realized that the 600 euros they had brought with them were missing. 600 euros. That's roughly 650, 700 US dollars, which is a lot to most of us. To them, 
this is a couple of months wages for, for one of them. Um, and I was so shocked and I told them, I'm so sorry that happened. Did you have any idea about who did it? And they said, no. And you know what? It's okay. And they said, maybe this person that stole it really needed the money more than we did. Um, we'll be able to raise more money somehow. We'll take care of things. And in the meantime, it just reminded us that people are more important than the things and the money that we have. Now that's a testimony. That is God speaking to them. They saw this awful circumstance. You know, this week I was mad as anything when I realized my, my wallet was gone. And I, start, I started thinking of this story and I said, you know what? God can be in this too. Even in those times and those things, God is present. So again, it's not a question of, is God working? The question is, are we paying attention? And in order to be a witness, we have to see. And that means opening our eyes and our ears and seeing what God is doing around us. The next part of our definition is first was to see and then to share what we have seen. And I've got good news for all of us this morning. You can breathe a sigh of relief. I do not believe that God is calling you to stand on a street corner and hold a sign about how the world is going to burn. If you feel called to do that, by all means, please go and do it. But I'm telling you now, you're relieved of this duty unless you feel God calling you to do it. I don't believe that God is calling you to go door to door handing out tracts. Uh, nor do I believe you need to develop some kind of marketing pitch for Jesus, like the telemarketer who rushes and tries to get through as much information as they can before you hang up. That's not faith sharing. That's faith dumping. And that's not what we're about. I doubt that God is calling you to get up on a platform in front of thousands of people to give a speech. But if you do feel called to do that, please let me know and you can speak up here some Sunday morning as a start. No, sharing our faith, excuse me, I told you it would happen with this mic. Being a witness means sharing how we've seen God moving in our lives and in our world. Again, it was easy for those early believers because they had such amazing things that they had seen with Jesus. And they lived in a world where people had not even heard the name of Jesus. So they talked about it. Yes, they stood in the temple courts and they preached, but they also met with people one-on-one. -on -one. These are the stories that don't make it into the book of Acts. They sat down with meals of, uh, over meals with people, uh, with other believers, and then sometimes they met just like Jesus did over meals with people that they weren't even supposed to associate with. And so... The good news was spread. Again, these are the small things. These are the little big things that the book of Acts doesn't tell us about. These relationships and these ways that people shared their faith. They visited people in nearby cities and talked about what they'd seen. They developed friendships that happened in the context of daily life. Just like when Philip walked alongside the chariot with the man he found in the wilderness. And again, we're not passing along certain information like making sure they hear the four spiritual laws in the correct order. We're telling what we know and what matters to us. And when you share that kind of stuff, people usually want to hear it. And the final hook that I feel like I can let us off of is that I don't believe this is limited to unbelievers. There are many people around us who do not share our faith uh, in Christ, but we share faith not just so that people will come to Christ. We share faith because sometimes I lack faith and I need it from you. I need to be reminded that God is working in the world around me, that God is working in your heart, that God is doing things for you. I need to be reminded of that. And in sharing that, you are uplifted and I am uplifted. So let's change this idea of faith sharing from something that's just this unilateral thing that we do uh, only for people who do not believe to doing it in every moment. Just like we can see God working in every moment, we can recognize God working in every moment. In every relationship, every conversation, we have an opportunity to call that to mind. And that, I think, is what it means to have dynamic faith sharing. And when we do that, our faith will grow, 
I think our church will continue to grow in the ways that God intends it. Our time of response this morning is not uh, the typical one. It is what we do call sharing the journey. So what I want you to do is, is really simple, is to get in pairs or three, pair, two or three people, and just for a couple of minutes, I want you to look back on this past few days, even this morning, and to find something that you see that God has done. Maybe it's just waking you up this morning. Uh, maybe it is um, the, the fact that you got over that cold that I still haven't quite gotten over yet. Uh, maybe it is uh, just some way that you've seen God working this week, even in difficult circumstances. Turn and share that with the person who's next to you. We're going to take about five minutes to do that, and we'll share our faith, share faith with each other today uh, as we finish out our time of worship. So go ahead and do that, and I'll call us back together for our closing song and prayer in a few minutes.